WBNE. Hello and welcome to episode 156, all about the Silmarillion, chapter 16, and in that moment she realized she didn't know how to pronounce the name of the chapter. Of Maeglin, being the 156th part of That's What I'm Talking About. My name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me MC. I've been experiencing the world of J.R.R. Tolkien for the first time, and right now I'm reading The Silmarillion, so you don't have to. Today I'm joined by Andy of Tolkien with Friends. Welcome! Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on, fellow Tolkien pun podcast. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I know, like in our first episode, I was like, I could say Tolkien, because, like, that's how his name yeah. is pronounced. But I was like, I don't it's like what it sounds. It's not as fun, yeah. <laughs> it's my rules. It's my house. So <laughs> I say that it's all the token. time. Yeah, I'm like, um, the pun doesn't work if I say his name correctly. So yeah, I just Sorry. don't even worry about it anymore, you know? Sorry, my main man. You know I love you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't you tell me and the listeners a little bit about your history with Lord of the Rings and, and Tolkien? How did you get introduced to it? And then what led you to start a Tolkien podcast. Let's see. Let's go back to probably 2001. The trailers are coming out for the movies, right? And my mom was like, you know, I've always wanted to read these, but I never did. Let's read them together. So we we bought a box set and, you know, it was one of the sets with the movie covers on them. And I, I know those get a lot of hate all the time, but I'm like, you know, I like my movie covers. Yeah, like, I love <laughs> being able to look at Aragorn whenever I want, yeah, you know? <laughs> it looks great. Yeah, it was funny because it, it was, um I think it was a John Howe artwork for The Hobbit, because obviously it was a Hobbit movie, um, which was awesome. And then Frodo on the front of Fellowship, Saruman on Two Towers, and then Aragorn on Return of the King. So, you know, so we read those together, which I think was, like, a huge benefit. I don't it was probably, like, the biggest undertaking for me. I'm, like, I was the resident bookworm at my elementary school. Like, I had read probably all the novels that was were there in that library. But, you know, it's a, it's not necessarily what you would find in an elementary school library. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> like, because I was, like, I was in fifth grade, for sure. And I think that means I was 11. Um, and so we read those together, and then we saw the movies. And, you know, just, like, the combination of those things... You know, having, I don't know, just all of it happen at once. I feel like those are the years where, like, you love something then, you kind of love it forever. Mm-hmm. More or less. You know, it kind of sticks into some very yeah, permanent totally. part of your brain. And so, you know, I feel like once the appendices for the movies came out, like the extended editions, I fueled myself with that for a long time. Because I didn't, I wasn't, like, a part of a gr- big group of friends that all loved Lord of the Rings. I just, like really liked Lord of the Rings and, you know, would bring in my two handful of friends that I wanted to like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I only had, like, a couple of friends and then we would all buy our Legolas posters. Um, so, <laughs> so we would, uh, you know, I just feel like on those appendices, there was everything from, like, Tolkien documentaries to, like, how they made literally everything in that movie. So I think that it fueled, like, a lot of passion in me for, like, not just the story, but, like, everything that goes into story making, right? And, and then telling a story. Um, and so I just became the person that would reread them, like, every year. And I feel like every time I read them, I get something new out of it. Now, the Silmarillion... Is a slightly different story because 
<laughs> my uh, my mom or my stepdad, he bought me this um, in beautiful, gorgeous set. It's probably the most expensive books I've ever owned as a human. And it had a complete guide to Middle-earth, the Silmarillion, the Hobbit, and the trilogy. And I opened the, the Silmarillion so many times, and I would get through, like, the um, the music of the Ainur, and I was like, this is cool, I'm into it, and then they would be, like, all the names, mm-hmm. and I was like, whoa, it's a textbook, and then I would put it down. Literal years of doing that, and I even, I bought Children of Huron, and then I started to open it, and I was like, I don't know who these characters are, I've... I've just been buying the books and then like never reading them. Sorry, everyone who thinks that Are I. Are like, you kidding me? I do that I all the time. <laughs> I to- also like I. I don't know about other people out there, but I have a section of my bookshelf that's literally just there to make me look smart and scholarly, and it's full of like all of these quote unquote classics mm-hmm. um, that a lot of which I've never read. <laughs> Sometimes it's like you just buy them. You're like, you know, full intending to read it. You know, feeling like, yeah, this is the time. And then you don't. Yeah. And then they're just there. And, it's, and that's fine. That's fine, too. You know? Um, but so for the Silmarillion, I didn't actually finish it until last year or the year before. COVID times, mm-hmm. essentially. And I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. And but But truly, I felt like I had survived off of the appendices of the Lord of the Rings for a long time and that complete guide to Middle Earth that I had and you know like all the wikis and stuff out there like if I learned a new thing I would just go look it up and so like I knew about the story of Baron and Luthien I knew about Feanor and his pro you know him being an asshole and all of that but you know I now I can finally say I did read it I did finish you know it's one of those things where I'm kind of like you know, I'm not out here to, like, prove I'm, like, a bigger Tolkien fan than somebody. I feel like there are those people that are out there on the internet, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that you have encountered them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, and I'm like, you know what? That's that's not who I am. I'm here because this is fun. This is, like, energizing for me. And if, it get, if I get too tired, then I put it down because I don't need to know everything. That's nice. Um, when I get too tired, I have to keep reading it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> like the amount of people when I was complaining about um the the map chapter a couple weeks ago, oh, people were Lord. like, "Oh yeah, you can skip that one." And I'm like, "No, but I can't." Like I I told people I am reading the Silmarillion, so you don't have to. So like you, I have to. You read did it. say that. <laughs> I I didn't say that. <laughs> Bef- before we start the the chapter, um, do you know how to pronounce th- what's the correct pronunciation? I of the character name. You know. Don't quote me, but I think it's like Myglin. Okay. I'm dying I, laughing because that's like different from what I was thinking in my head. What were you saying? I was saying like Maglin. You know, I've said that before, but then I like, I think I've probably even like in my brain just called it Maglin. Maglin. Like- yes. That's what I was saying. <laughs> so, um, you know what, listeners, in this chapter, we're just going to um, bounce back and forth from a million pronunciations. And then... Yeah, I, um, the only thing is that, like, it says in the back that the A-E put together like that. It's, like, our combinations of the individual vowels, but A-E may be pronounced in the same way as A-I and O-E as an English toy. So that makes me think that I can... I have some... Li- artistic liberty that can be taken i know okay also like it annoys me that like he has a pronunciation guide okay but also that some of the pronunciation 
part, like the AE part, it's not super helpful. Like as in, I ignore and near nice, like as if I'm I supposed ignore. to know how those are pronounced. I know, yeah, yeah, AE as in. That's your reference point? AE as in name I don't know how to pronounce, name I don't know how to pronounce, and OE as in name I don't know how to pronounce. Like, that's so dumb. Like, I need like, what wow. he does later Thanks, at the end of that where it says, and OE as an English toy. That's the only part that's helpful. So that makes me think that AI is mostly like I. See, a- yeah, AI, I would say, yeah, because that's I nor. Yeah. So that's right. I, so I think it's the same. Um. So my, what are we saying? My Myglin. Myglin. That doesn't see. That doesn't. That sounds weird. It all sounds weird. Um. So anyway, we could call him Maggie. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> oh my gosh! I was literally just like the only name that comes to mind is Maggie. Like. <laughs> um. I anyway, mean... <laughs> this chapter is chapter. 16 I think um yes. it's getting to the point in the like chapter numbers where it's all kind of a blur and I'm like it's a lot of it's stuff. we're in the teens now <laughs> is all I know um chapter 16 of Maglin, 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 Maggie whatever you want to say it opens with me needing to flip to the chapter there we go um <laughs> it opens with Arithel Arfianel, we don't worry about her last name, the we, white... We do not worry about that. <laughs> the white lady of the Noldor, daughter of Fingolfin, um, sister of Turgon. And in the previous episode, I said mistakenly that Galadriel was the only girl of, like, all of the, like, Finway cousins, oh. you know? Because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. I forgot about... I forgot she existed, so... um. Whoops, there we go. Um, I mean, it's not really your fault. There's too many of them, so I I'm, mean, yeah. yeah. Um, so this chapter is about Aerithel, and um, all I'm, I feel like I just need to preface this with, this is an interesting chapter for me to read in the wake of the SCOTUS decision of Roe v. Wade. I was thinking the same Because <laughs> there's thing. a lot of, like, there's a lot of sexist overtones. There's a lot yeah. of... Um, which I think is, at some point, I think it's the point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, like, the the moral of this, like, at the end of this chapter, I I just want everyone to think, as we're discussing this, like, man, women really can't just live their lives without men getting involved. Facts. Since the beginning of time. Yes, since the (laughs) beginning, Yes. In every universe, yes. apparently. Like, just the way that they get involved. And it, spoiler, doesn't end well for a lot of these these women. Yeah. So, anywho. Um, yeah, so Aerithel, um And she, that's right, she's the sister of Turgon. Turgon, mm-hmm. reminder everyone, created the city of Gondolin, the hidden kingdom. And it's through that lovely secret tunnel we love a secret tunnel secret tunnel exactly secret 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 tunnel yeah they keep it secret keep it secret keep it safe how many references can we make in one <laughs> sentence minutes. yeah yeah um and so it's very important to turgon that 
everyone who dwells there does not leave because he doesn't want word getting out. He doesn't want the wrong people finding it. He wants this kingdom to remain hidden and safe. Um, however, Arathel, um she grows tired of Gondolin. It says, desiring ever the longer, desiring ever the longer, the, wait, what? Word desiring thing? ever the longer the more. <laughs> I mean, I know what the sentence is saying, but that I just read it out loud. I'm like, that sounds like nonsense. Anyway, desiring ever the longer the more to ride again in the wide lands and to walk in the forest as had been her wont in Valinor. And 200 years they have been in Gondolin now. And she has been asking Turgon to leave because she had freedom in Valinor and she doesn't have this freedom over here. Mm-hmm. And... Finally, he says, this is like immediately just when it was saying like she spoke to Turgon, asked to leave to depart. He was loath to grant this, long denied her. At last he yielded. And I was like, how dare you, Turgon? I know. No, you're a jerk. Not Mm -hmm. here for it. And he says, go then if you will, though it is against my wisdom and I forebode that ill will will come of it both to you and me. Um... So at last... Centering himself once yeah. again. Yeah, he's yeah. like, this is about me. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to screw it up for me. Um, yeah. I mean, and I guess you, but also for me and my beautiful city that I made. Yeah. Um, And he only gives her permission to... Uh, he only gives her permission to go see Fingon, their other brother. Mm-hmm. Um, And she... This is when I was like, yes, girl, get it. Mm. She says, I'm your sister and not your servant. Yes. Love that. I love that line. And beyond your bounds, I will go as seems good to me. Love that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, she's, and she's like, if you don't, and you know, if you don't want to send me somebody to help me out, then that's fine. I'm just going to go. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, no. he's like. But it's like he tries to make up for it with, like, I grudge you nothing that I have, you know? But, you know, again, he's just reiterating. He's like, but I built it so that we would stay in it. (laughs) And she's like, but I'm bored. Yeah, I'm bored. Your dumb city is boring. Yeah, I used to, like, life was pretty good over there until, like, our uncles went crazy. stupid asses wanted to come here. (laughs) Huge mistake. <laughs> she leaves and she has some uh, of Turgon's men with her to like guard. And they get to a point where like she's supposed to go to Hithlum, which is in the west. Yeah. Um, this That's about as much direction uh, like geographically that I am going to mention throughout this chapter because it makes several mentions of like places and where they are. And I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. Um, we just need to know if it was a good decision or bad. Yes, exactly. Like, all you need to know is whether or not something bad or good happened there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, they get to the point where she's supposed to go towards Hithlum. And she's like, mm, I'm actually going to go this way. You can come with me or not, but I'm going to do what I want. Um, 
and yeah, she wants to go see like is she just like saying she wants to see any of the sons of Feanor? She's like any of them. Yeah, any of them will do. She says my heart desires rather to find the sons of Feanor, my friends of old. Because I guess I mean like when you think about it from their perspective, they were kids when all this drama between their uncles and their grandfather are happening, and they're just Mm. cousins, you know, they're friends. They're hanging out. They're not involved in like the political. Um, implications of this stuff yet Um, and then all of a sudden these feuds happen so it would make sense that she misses um, these friends of old that she hasn't seen Mm -hmm. in a while however anytime the sons of Feanor are are brought up or mentioned I'm like feeling a little unsure here (laughs) yeah I mean it's like my question for her if she were here it's like, when was the last time you saw them? Like, are you sure there's still, like, a chill dude? Maybe she just wanted to, like, go find drama, you know? She's Maybe. like, you know what? It it was really, it was, like, too chill in Gondolin. You know where it's not going to be chill? <laughs> Wherever Feanor's sons are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, it's going to be exciting over there. Wherever they are, yeah. let's go find them. I think that based on what we're seeing from Arathel so far, that tracks it feels right for her that like she wants she wants adventure and she wants action and and whatnot and she doesn't yeah she doesn't want to like just sit back and do nothing yeah she's not getting that in gondolin right now yes so she wants to head towards i guess the west um however they would need to pass through the woods of doriath but um i guess at this yeah um thingol and melian are only letting in the sons of finarfin because those are their like more direct kin they are essentially um yeah. they're like and he hates the noldor right yeah thingol thingol and Mel- so i don't know where this chapter is in relation to like the greater timeline because in the previous chapter thingol and melian learned the truth of what happened i mean i guess the elves in this chapter but then again the elves would know no, but then again, Ale is Teleri. So I guess this does happen after the timeline of the previous chapter. Okay, ignore all the rambling I said. that I was tracking it in my head. Don't worry. I'll explain. Fair. Um, so yeah, in the previous chapters when Thingol and Melian learn the truth of what happened to the Noldor, um, in particular, the kinslaying. Awkward. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and yeah. then Thingol forbids it. What I thought that he... Um, so he forbids um, when they... Let me, let me back up. Let me back up even further to, sure. to lay the land here. So, so goes the Silmarillion. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> <laughs> so when the Noldor first arrive, um, Thangle and Melian are grateful because they are enemies of Morgoth. Um, right. And they're like, cool, they're going to help us. Great. However, Thangle is suspicious he's not sure how to trust them um and they have this protective uh bubble around their kingdom in doriath and they decide that only the sons of finarfim are allowed within their kingdom by their invitation because they are uh, essentially thingles like great nephews mm-hmm. um because their dad was like his yeah i think something like that yeah yeah it was like his brother i did the math 
a couple chapters ago, but I don't remember the math now. That's um, great. <laughs> but they are more directly related to Thangol than um, Feanor's or Fingolfin's sons. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the previous chapter, Thangol and Melian learn of the kinslaying. They learn of the oath that Feanor's sons took. Oh, right. Um, they learn all that messy stuff that, like, up until now, the Noldor had just been, like, conveniently leaving out. Mm-hmm. Um, they're mm-hmm. like, yeah, I don't know. We just kind of, like, found some boats or something and got here. I don't know. Weird yeah. how that happened. Yeah, I could see how that would make him like them less. Yeah. <laughs> as far as, like, the the because clearly in this chapter, it's still the rule that none of the Noldor passed the girdle. Yes. So, so um, I, he, and he declares that the language of the Noldor is banned because of their betrayal to their kin of what they did back in Valinor. I thought that he at least had given a pass to... Fingolfin's sons because Fingolfin's sons were were there and we're like yeah but we also suffered at the hands of Feanor so like don't you think we've paid enough already Um, but here in this chapter so all of that what I just said being said is is because um, when what's her name Aerithel wants to move forward they say only the sons of Fenarfin can pass through Melian's girdle um, right. So I thought in the previous chapter that they had established that at least the sons of Fingolfin could come to, but mm-hmm. um, I guess that doesn't matter. So <laughs> whatever. Maybe well, it was just like either case. Yeah, this lady's not getting through. <laughs> that was like such a long time. I <laughs> I kind of hate this book. Um, just the way that like that one like that one little point made me yeah. have to like go back and think and be like well wait a minute what about all of this stuff that happened? i know it's such a mess and it's funny because it's like you know poor little baby tolkien like who knows what this book would have looked like if he had been able to put it together you know but this is published posthumously and mm-hmm. christopher had to scrounge it together so i, I get it yeah mm-hmm. but sometimes i'm like what yeah i don't <laughs> please help <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, I don't know if it would have been any more or less organized if it had been Tolkien who... Hard to say. (laughs) Hard to say. I think that this would have been, like, his white whale in a way. Oh, for sure. Yeah, totally. I think so. Like, I don't know if he could have... It would have been, like, just constantly... I don't think... Yeah, I don't think he would have been able to stop. I think he would have just always been thinking and always, like, going back and adding in details and, like, venturing off into, like this tangent about this family or whatever yeah yeah i just you know so it's probably like it happened the way it had to probably mm-hmm. um but that's all right we muddle through yes <laughs> um and speaking of muddling through Arithel and do you like that transition yes um, i really do <laughs> um they uh go north of doriath um, which is near Nan Dungorthub, which is where Ungoliant had run off to and supposedly shriveled away. And this is where like her babies lie. So it's not a good place. And people don't usually go there. Um, and here they get separated. And Turgon's men um, 
are being pursued by the creatures uh, of Ungoliant, and they, um, even though they were trying to find Arathel, they assume that she has been killed, and so they return to Gondolin and um, tell Turgon, and he, they just believe that she is dead. So To um, me, doesn't this sound like, so, you know, Turgon's dudes, they're, like, battling, they're, like, fighting for their lives, and then Arathel's just, like, in a cloud somewhere, just yeah. like, huh, where am I? I oh, well. love that, <laughs> and a part of me wants to think that Ungoliant... Um, I don't know if Ungolian at this point would have been there still because we don't really exactly know like what happened to her. It's just like yeah. legends say she ate herself. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I like to think that Ungolian, being the original gatekeep gaslight girl boss, um, let <laughs> saw Arathel and was like, "You can go free." Don't you yeah. worry, honey. <laughs> I will let I, you go. <laughs> I think this is um, straight canon now, and no one can argue with me otherwise. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, it does say she Yeah, she rode on for she was fearless and hardy of heart. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, is that in comparison to Turgon's dudes? I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> they are less so. Yes. Um, so she gets to the other side of Doriath, um, kind of, if you're, if you're looking at a map of Beleriand, they're kind of in the north east-ish, mm-hmm. on the east side of the map, um, now where Maedhros is, and, um, Kelegorm, and... Kurufem. Um, and they welcome her. Like, she gets over there and they're like, oh, cool, yay, like, let's party. And I think she stays there. Yeah, she stays there for a year. Um, mm-hmm. And Kelegorm, it just says Kelegorm did not return. So I'm wondering, like, if we're going to find out what happened to him in the future or whatever, but he's gone. Um, yeah. And and it's funny because, like, Kurufem shows up later, but he lives there, too. Yeah, they all kind so, of, yeah, live in this area. But at the same time, being an elf, like, we know in Lord of the Rings that Arwen literally just, like, visits Galadriel for, like, decades. So I feel like if they go on vacation, they just it's for go a while. on. Yeah. It's, yeah, not a short period. And she only hangs out for, like, a year before she starts getting antsy. This this Miss Ma'am has a lot of energy. Yes. <laughs> she needs a hobby. Yeah, she does need a hobby. <laughs> Um, so she starts traveling again because she gets restless. Um, I think it's interesting that it says that Kelegorm did not return and she became restless because I don't like what exactly is it about Kelegorm specifically that she's like, oh, I want to see him. But yeah. because he doesn't return, she's like, well, I guess I'll leave. So, um, uh, yeah, just, I like, wonder if random. it's just like, cause you know, Turgon gave her a leave to go to, uh, What's his name? Fingon. Fingon. Right? Fingon. And she was like, no, never mind. And then she goes to see Kelegorm, and then she's like, eh, he never showed up. You know? So she's just like, she can't, like, put her stake in the ground on anything. Yeah. She's a very, um, like, wandering spirit type of, mm-hmm. a, of a person. Um, She leaves and starts heading south. I really wish that I had a sense of, like, distances on these maps. Yeah, the the way I'm just like, yeah, she just, I don't know, goes to the next state over. (laughs) Yeah, because I'm like, is this far? 
to this little forest to uh wait is that i didn't even you're better than me i like didn't even bother opening (laughs) my map to look at it oh i guess i thought it was a lot farther oh that's so funny she's like she crosses the river gets lost in this tiny little it's a tiny little forest and like the way it's described um that i'm about to go into i thought it was like a bigger forest like set off you know by itself you know like abandoned in like the south of the map Mm -hmm. oh well so she (laughs) yeah so there's this forest that we're talking about um the trees of nan elmoth were the tallest and darkest in all beleriand and the sun never came and there, all right, I've been pronouncing it ale. Yeah, that's okay, what I cool. say. Um, and there ale dwelt, who was named the Dark Elf. Of old he was of the kin of Thangle, but he was restless and ill at ease in Doriath. And when the girdle of Melian was set about the forest of region where he dwelt, he fled thence to Nan Elmoth. So that's ve- right off the bat, that's very similar to what Arithel sounds like she was in yeah. this, you know, safe haven and decided to leave it and go explore the rest of the world because she's restless. Mm-hmm. Um, it says there he lived in deep shadow, loving the night and twilight under the stars. And I was like, OK, he sounds hot. Um, mm-hmm. Don't worry. I changed my opinion in just a bit. Um, <laughs> he shuns the Noldor, holding them to blame for the return of Morgoth. To trouble the quiet of Beleriand. And I'm like, well, he's not totally wrong. wrong. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it wasn't... But the way that he manifests those feelings isn't quite healthy. Yeah, it's not healthy, but... He, it's the kind of thing of like two two wrongs don't make a right, you know? Yeah. Yeah, what the Noldor did... And the drama and the trouble that they brought to Beleriand for the yeah. Teleri who are already living there and the green elves. And I don't I I lost track of all the different like delineations of the elves. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like you're not wrong to not like the Noldor because of that. Um, right. He takes a much better liking to the dwarves um, and he learns a lot from them. He learns um smithing and and metal work and whatnot um and he creates i was like oh this like i don't know maybe there's still a lot of the silmarillion left so maybe this does come back but like the way that this was focused on so heavily and then there doesn't there wasn't another mention of it in this chapter he -hmm. creates um a really strong type of steel named galvorn and it's really malleable but it is still really strong and resistant to uh, it says resistant to all blades and darts mm-hmm. that just seems funny to me like darts <laughs> use it as a little very random thing. yeah um it was black and shining like jet and he was clad in it whenever he went abroad so there's this really cool metal and then we don't really hear anything else of it i guess it's just to establish that like hey whenever he goes anywhere he's wearing armor of all black mm-hmm. and i don't i mean i could be wrong my memory is all over the place sometimes, but I don't think this is the last time that we'll see Aeol. Okay. And, cool. and or like his creations. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, it says like, but remember, he was not a dwarf, a tall elf of high kin of the Teleri, noble though grim of face. His eyes could see deep into shadows and dark places. So this description of Aeol, it was just really cool. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was like, this is a cool character. This is so descriptive. This is so vivid. I know exactly what he looks like. And at first I was like, oh, is he he just going to be like our bad boy? And like, in a way, yes. (laughs) In a way. Yeah. And I love that. And it kind of makes me sad that like how his story unfolds in a way, because like he is chill with the dwarves and like they hang out, they teach him stuff. He teaches them, you know, like they're buddies. And I'm like, but that's like a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. But usually... I mean, I mean, I guess this is you. You could argue Tolkien playing with the idea of like having a more gray bad guy. You know, like not he's not fully. I mean, he's no Melkor yeah, or anything. Exactly. But and but you know, he's not uh, super great. But at the same time, you know, I have a lot of friends who talk about the Silmarillion as like from the perspective of elves. You know, it's elves telling the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I almost wonder, like, is the dwarf thing supposed to be, like, a mark against Aeol in this instance? Like, him being cool with dwarves oh, yeah, rather yeah. than elves? That's... And I'm like, not cool. Yeah, that's a if good so. point. Because I, as soon as it says, like, for the dwarves he had more liking, I immediately was like, oh, Aeol's, he's a cool dude. Because in my mind, like, right. he he's an elf who is humble enough to learn from this other group of people and to like recognize that they have this knowledge and this craft that he doesn't Mm -hmm. and he is really proud to learn from them um, Mm -hmm. and like really excels because of that relationship with them so I looked at it as a good thing but you're it's so true though that this could be like the elves way of showing Hey, Ale wasn't a good guy because he was friends with the dwarves. He didn't hang out with us. He yeah. hung out with he those left guys. us and yeah. went into this like really dark forest by himself. And his only friends were the dwarves. Like yeah. weird guy. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, up until this point, I was like, oh, so he's like a hot bad boy. Like maybe he mm-hmm. has a leather jacket. That's <laughs> fun. Um. And then, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. he sees. Arathel wandering around the borders of the forest. I couldn't. And very fair she seemed to him, and he desired her. And I was like, (laughs) I was like, no, back off. Go away. Go away. She's living her best life right now. Like, shut up. Exactly. Um, Of course, that doesn't happen. He set his enchantments about her so that she could not find the ways out. Um, So she gets um, drawn into the woods where she finds Arathel. I mean, where um, Arathel finds Aeol and he welcomes her and... He's like, oh my God, welcome. Crazy that you ended up here. What? (laughs) By the way, do you want to marry me? Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, I, I don't... I haven't checked this myself, but some people have... I And I bought that... Uh, the Nature of Middle-Earth book. Never opened it. It's just sitting over there. But some of my friends have said that, like, in this book, it talks about, like, marriage is sex. And I don't if know. So, if so. See. It's getting a little, getting a little not, non-consent. Yeah. Not maybe. And, like, yeah, it gets into a lot of gray areas here because it's, like, 
it's but not, let's say that's not what it is. It's like not necessarily that she's not consenting, but it's also that she's left with she doesn't know that she was coerced into this situation. You know, like she right. doesn't realize that like she was forced into this. Um, the yeah. thing about like marriage being sex, I I I can't speak to that because I haven't read the Nature of Middle Earth book. I don't know. But That's just what's Tolkien going around on the internet. <laughs> was very much like he he did not want sex to be a part of his books and mm-hmm. his characters. So I can see it both ways where like marriage right. is his way of being like wink wink. Um sure. or it also very well might just be marriage. You know. Yeah. I and mean honestly, like I will say it probably is. Like the marriage part for me, I mean, they go on to have a kid, so we know that that does happen eventually. <laughs> yeah. And you know, and it's funny, like I just imagine because it's like who lives there? Him and his servants. So who presided over like what was the ceremony like? I'm just nosy, but yeah. like, you know, where they just like, and now we are married. Was it a priest? And they Was it a rabbi? It. Was it? Yeah, like what? What are we? Do, do they just like say something magical? Did someone get ordained online? Like yeah. what? What happened? Maybe um, just somebody in the background was like, I can do it. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, also, I want to. Yeah, so she she wanders in here under these. Um, it's not necessarily that I guess. He enchanted her. No, it does say that. He set enchantments about her. There we go. Yeah. Although it just says so that she could not find the way out. So he didn't technically like he put like a, a love, love spell or anything yeah. on her. He just made it so that she couldn't leave. <laughs> that sounds so sketchy. Yeah, it's it's in like the next paragraph yes. when it's like it is not said that Arathel was wholly unwilling, nor that her life in Nan Elmoth was hateful to her for many years. So I'm like, that's not exactly a positive sentence. You yeah, know? if, I, if it's that not was a like, Yelp review, yeah, I don't know if I would eat there. <laughs> it's not. So it's, yeah, yeah. So it's saying, it's not like she stayed here completely against her will. And it's not like she hated living here. Mm -hmm. But that's also not exactly saying she chose to be here and I love living here, you know? Right. Those are, it's two very different things to say she was not staying there unwillingly and she stayed there of her own choice, you know? Mm-hmm. Those are two different things. And um, yeah. also, I want to address some ways that, like, I would refer to Thingle and Melian, where just reading this chapter, where this is kind of, this is pretty similar almost to Thingle and Melian, mm. because Melian sets an enchantment upon Thingle. Or not necessarily an enchantment, but like she's singing and mm-hmm. he becomes entranced. Yeah. And it's not like they're there for ye like he's frozen in place basically for years and years and abandons, True. like forgets everything except for Melian. Um, and there's this like enchantment about her. And it I think it does mention when he wakes up that he's like shocked that he abandoned his people that like his people left for Valinor without him and that right. there was this mission. So I don't know, I was just thinking about like um the ways that like I very lightheartedly not necessarily made fun of, but just like the ways that like I would I would say like, oh yeah, isn't that so funny that like Melian put a spell on 
him and he fell in love. Isn't that hilarious? And then, like, that's kind of the same thing that happened here. And now yeah. I'm saying that's gross. So I just want to say but that, the like, same, the they are time. different situations. Yeah. They're I, very I feel different situations. Like but the vibe with Melian is not too... I mean, she's obviously not of this world, right? But it's, uh, yeah. it's not too far removed from when you have Luthien later... And she's just singing and minding her own business. And Baron shows up and is like, yeah. heart eyes. I will say know? it is, yeah, they, there are, they are like different circumstances where Melian was just singing and I guess Thingol just happened to become entranced. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I just like, I didn't appreciate the ways that I, like looking back on it, I didn't wholly appreciate the ways that I was talking about that in ways that now I am kind of condemning those actions and how before it was like a woman entrancing a man and then now it's a man entrancing a a woman so I just wanted to like be you know go go yeah I just wanted to touch on that real quick yeah yeah hey there it's Mary Clay from the future as you just heard, that was a lot of jumbled thoughts because I clearly didn't have my thoughts together. So I just thought I would jump in and add something real quick that all I wanted to do was call out on myself this double standard that I noticed in my own language, how there were two different circumstances in this book of one person falling in love with another person via magic circumstances And the situation where the man was falling in love with the woman because of magic, I was totally okay with and had no problem and poked fun at. And then the situation that was reversed with the woman falling in love with the man because of magic circumstances, I was really hateful towards. Um, And I don't know, I just wanted to be aware of that, where both of those kinds of circumstances where the idea of consent might be in a bit of a gray area are, you know, not okay. Granted, of course, what happens with Thingol and Melian is very different from what happens with Aeol and Arathel, as you will hear throughout the rest of the chapter. But anyway, enough of my rambling about this topic that I'm sure literally no one else is thinking about. And it was just me overthinking it as I was reading this chapter and thinking back on what I thought before in a similar circumstance and just trying to do better and hold myself accountable to be better. All right, let's let's keep going then. And it, But it is interesting, like, I mean, we, we say all that, but at the same time, we did just establish that they're kind of similar in, like, their restlessness. And so maybe, you know, maybe it's like a Beauty and the Beast-ish situation where it's like they get yeah. to know each other and she's like, hey, we're kind of it's, alike and and it's fine until it's hard it's not. to see how she feels about this relationship because of, like, what happens and how it ends, you know? Yeah. And that's, and that's the thing with the film is that it's like, we do get some instances of dialogue and some instances of a clear narrative, but there's, it's never fully fleshed out the yeah. way that you would in like a, a true novel. Yeah. You know? And, um, I've said it before with some of, um, the female characters so far in, in the Silmarillion, um, Because a lot of times when I criticize the lack of female characters in, like, Lord of the Rings and Mm -hmm. The Hobbit, which has no female characters. I was like, (laughs) what female characters? 
uh, people will always say, oh, we'll just wait till you get to the Silmarillion. Like, there's some really great char- female characters there. And I, like, yes, I agree. But also, Tolkien definitely has a way of just kind of glossing over some of these, like, feelings and thoughts of what these female characters are going through. And, like, yeah. you don't really get to see their side of it. You don't really yeah. get to see, like, well, what is... Arithel, like, how does she feel towards Ale? Does she love him? Does, and like, for a set, for I would a, love to know. Yeah, like, these are things that I would like to know. Um, and you kind of just have to draw your own conclusions based on her actions. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay, anyway, that was, that was like a, a lot. So let's dive, dive into this. True, new we phase haven't of her even life. gotten to the chapter to title named yeah. character. Yeah. <laughs> So, speaking of which, they have a baby. They sure um, And Arithel names him in the forbidden tongue of the Noldor, Lomion, that signifies child of the twilight. And Aeol does not name him until he is 12 years old. And then he names him Maglin? 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 We don't know. <laughs> um, it names him Maglin. Um, which is sharp glance, for he perceived that the su- that the eyes of his son were more piercing than his own, and his thought could read the secrets of hearts beyond the mist of words. And I was like, okay, that's kind of spooky. It's um, interesting to for a twelve year old. Yeah, for hi- for his father to look at like this twelve year old boy and go like, hmm. You're you can read the secrets of hearts beyond the mist of words. Like is- you you got all of that from one like look in his eyes. Like that's freaky. Yeah. yeah. It kind of reminds me uh maybe this is related to knowing the rest of the chapter, but it kind of reminds me of a sociopath. <laughs> like being able to like read people and understand like what they expect out of you of a situation, yeah. but then not necessarily believe it you know you have your own thoughts but then you act accordingly for the situation Mm -hmm. you know as it benefits you or whatever yeah um i did write down at some point in this like introduction to meglin Mm -hmm. i was like is this a villain origin story (laughs) because i was really unsure of like the like the way he's described so like this idea of like him possibly having like sociopathic tendencies also like is very fitting too. Yeah. So yeah, it says, um, in mood and mind, he was the son of his father. His words were few, save in matters that touched him near. And then his voice had a power to move those that heard him and to overthrow those that withstood him. He was tall and black haired. His eyes were dark yet bright and keen as the eyes of the Noldor and his skin was white. So, Again, like this description seems very unsettling. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and his and the voice thing really reminds me of Saruman, in uh, yeah. like particularly mm-hmm. in the Two Towers when he's mm-hmm. really like fighting for his life when he's like in a corner. Um, to, you know, the whole power to move those that heard him and to overthrow those that withstood him just by talking. So, and the only other person that I know that that I really care about that has also done that is. Sarman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so often he will go with his father to visit the dwarves. Um, but it says he loved his mother best and that um, 
he would sit beside her and listen to her talk about um, her brothers and being like princes of the Noldor. And Mm -hmm. she tells him about Turgon. And this is the part where I was like, okay, is this the villain origin story? Because it says um, of which he heard of Turgon and that he had no heir. And I was like, so is he going to like burst out one day and go murder Turgon? Like, is that what's going to happen? Because that's what it feels like it's going to happen. So I don't know. We'll we'll see. Right. About it's, that, it's interesting but. that he, you know, they're already like painting this picture of this kid who's like weirdly smart and perceptive, but yeah. also ambitious, but maybe selfish. Yeah. You know? It's like the part it's. Like, I go, like, reading this chapter, I just went back back and forth a lot because it says he loved his mother best and he just liked to sit with her and listen to her stories. Right. And I'm like, that's really beautiful and wonderful. Um, and then it says that, like, the, the part that he um, takes away is about Turgon and him not having an heir. And so it's like, mm-hmm. okay, why I are know. you paying attention to that? It is interesting because it's like... I mean, probably not dissimilar from his dad and that, you know, you there's people that you care about, but do even people that maybe have questionable motives, they have people that they care about, right? Mm-hmm. But that doesn't always mean that it leads them to make the best decisions. Like, their care for others maybe isn't enough in uh, Miglin's situation because maybe he doesn't care about enough people. Yeah. But I also kind of, it kind of tears me up to turn a kid into, like, a villain. I know. I was just thinking that, that, like, he's he's still a kid when all this yeah. is happening. Like, he's very young in terms of elves, especially. Mm-hmm. Like, he's still very young. In the telling of all, all of these stories about her brothers and, and Gondolin, um, it makes Arathel really miss that part of her life. And she's like, Literally, what is wrong with me? It says she marveled that she had grown weary of the light of Gondolin and the fountains in the sun and the green sward of Tum- of Tumladen under the windy skies of spring. So she's like, literally, w- what a terrible mistake I made. <laughs> and now I'm in this like forest of darkness. Yeah, it's kind of reminds me of like, I feel like I'm always like the mom friend and when somebody's doing something where I'm like, mm, you know, but then there, are, there, there's a bunch of people where it's like they have to learn it, they have to experience yeah. it firsthand before they learn the yeah. lesson, and it's and you want to be like, no, just don't. <laughs> I mean, like, if she had never left Gondolin, she probably would have been really resentful toward Turgon yeah. for keeping her there. She always would have been wondering about. Right you know, the rest of Beleriand and she would have been wanting still to see the Sons of Feanor. So no matter how you spin it, like she, you know, know, it's always, you know, the grass is greener on the other side. Totally. So, sometimes um, I do wish, like, I sometimes, or not wish, but wonder what it would have been like if she had just gone to Fingon instead. It probably like, would have been boring. <laughs> yeah. He probably would have been like, cool. Anyway. I don't know. Uh... But maybe it would have been a, maybe not safer is really the word for Beleriand, but I don't know. Maybe she could have had a good time going south on that side. I don't know. Acceptable way to explore Valerian. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. So she starts growing kind of like resentful of where she is and she misses Gondolin. Um, And so this is when Maeglin and Aeol first start fighting. It does make sure to mention that Erethel would still never reveal 
I mean, to either of them, where Turgon is or where Gondolin is that like, even though she's even though she loves her son very much, and even though she misses it, she's still not like she's still keeping this this secret. Like she promised that she wouldn't do anything to bring harm. Um, Oh, I should mention this when she was leaving Turgon. Yeah, she was like, I like, like, do you not trust me? What? And he's like, it's not that I don't trust you. It's that I'm worried about who you are going to run into. Exactly. Um, And that's exactly what happens here. So um, Maeglin and Turgon, I mean, Maeglin and um, Aeol are not having a great relationship anymore um Arthel is uh upset and missing you know homesick missing her family missing Gondolin um and Maeglin is like well I'm gonna leave and yeah I'm gonna leave and I'm gonna go he says I'm gonna go speak with the sons of Feanor and Aeol says you are of the house of Aeol um my son not of Galathrim all this land is the land of the Teleri, and I will not deal nor have my son deal with the slayers of our kin, the invaders mm. and usurpers of our home. And I'm like, again, you're not wrong to like remember the fact that they like kill like these are so the Teleri reminder for everyone. Um the Teleri are the elves that the Noldor fought and killed in Valinor. And the Teleri are the faction of the elves that got split off in the journey to Valinor. So many of the elves that were all traveling together, like half of of the Teleri, um, like half of them stayed in Beleriand and the other half went to Valinor. So the Teleri who are in Beleriand are direct are like directly related to the same elves that the Noldor killed in Valinor. Yeah. So it's totally and when you're also thinking about like all the how long they live and like how fewer generations there's not that far removed from what happened. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. So I I understand it. That's why this chapter is so interesting because like I, I go back and forth all the time about Aeol and I go back and forth about Meglin and I'm like how am I supposed to feel about y'all because like you're making valid points but also you're doing some like really sketchy things here like what's going on so yeah it's just really interesting dynamics here I know I think that there is part because based on me obsessing over Lord of the Rings more than anything I think that there is like a large part of Tolkien that doesn't want to necessarily paint a lot of these characters like besides Sauron and like Mo like besides people that are literally being the most evil like I I think there is a desire to show kind of like somebody that and characters that aren't wholly one or the other Mm -hmm. but like a mix but I feel like he just I don't think he gets to explore it as much as he probably could have and you know I get that and this wasn't even technically finished, so sure. But I think that this this reminds me of that, you know, like having valid points, but also executing things kind of shittily. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and like that's, it always makes things more interesting when you have characters who are it, like, it's kind of boring when you just have black and white things of like, mm-hmm. okay, these are the good guys and these are the bad guys. It makes it more interesting when, you know, you're, 
watching Return of the King or you're reading it or whatever and you get to Gondor and you're like, cool, this is where we're supposed to be safe. And then you meet Denethor and he's terrible, you know? So it it just is more interesting to hear it, to hear stories told this way than, Mm -hmm. you know, just, yeah. So, um, yeah, Ale and Maeglin have this rift and yeah just as Meglin did not answer and he was cold and silent and he doesn't go out with Aeol anymore and Aeol starts mistrusting Meglin now it's kind of sad yeah Aeol leaves on one of his trips and Meglin turns to his mother and says let's leave um let's go to Gondolin you will be my guide and I will be your guard and Arathel is like, awesome, let's go. Like, I, you know what? I think I've just been waiting for, for you to want to do this too. Let, right. Let's do this. So she's really excited to, to leave and see. Um, yeah, she's really excited. And she tells the servants of Aeol that they went to see the sons of Feanor. So this is when they are now, this is, this is when I'm like, okay, so Arathel, is you know choosing to side with her son she doesn't want her husband following her so Mm -hmm. i'm assuming at this point that they don't you know she doesn't have any love for ale anymore yeah i agree and i feel like that uh when ale tries to follow them here in a minute i think that we don't get confirmation of her feelings because it's from somebody that hasn't even spoken to her, but I think that yeah. Tolkien tries to imply that. Again, a lot of, like, us having to infer things about a female character based on, like, what other characters are saying about her or about her yeah. actions or, like, the things happening around her rather than us getting, like, her perspective. Yeah, she um, gets, like, a bit of dialogue in the beginning and, like, he clearly says that Arathel was glad and looked with pride upon her son. But, so this, you this know, is definitely something like that, like, she's having an active role in this part of the story, where they are leaving this forest and leaving for Gondolin. So she is an active part, which is more than you could necessarily say for her life, you know, previously. Yeah. So they leave. They don't tell Ale. They lie, they lie to their servants so that even if he does follow them, um, he'll be thrown off a little bit. So he returns a lot sooner than they thought he would. Um, and he follows them and he's like only two days behind them. Yeah. Yeah. At that point. Um, and this is definitely where I think this part of the story feels pretty reminiscent almost of like, um, a mother and her child leaving an abusive husband and father Mm -hmm. you know of like yeah we have to get out of here and then him you know trying to find them feels very reminiscent of of that so yeah he follows the tries to follow them and goes into i guess the the land of the sons of feanor where keligorm and kurufin are and kurufin is like what are you doing here we don't want to talk to you aeol at least is smart enough to like hold his tongue mm-hmm. um, because remember he hates the Noldor and he says my son and my wife have ridden this way they came to see you and I'm wondering if I can find them if I can join them and Corfin laughs at him and says even if you had come with the, like if you had come with them we definitely wouldn't have welcomed them because right. you suck <laughs> mm-hmm. he's also like but 
I mean, it doesn't like they didn't come to see us and they were not like they were heading in a totally different direction. So it seems like you got some some like false He's like know, trouble information. At home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um and Ale is like, "Okay, well then w- will you let me go and so I can find out?" Um and Karufin is like, "Yeah, the sooner you leave the better." And Ale um to his credit, at least is like, thank you for your help. I will remember this in the future. And Karufin um, is like, you like you're married to Anoldor and you're trying to like hide behind her title. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, those who steal the daughters of the Noldor and wed them without gift or leave without gift or leave do not gain kinship with their kin. So he's like, just because you married one of us doesn't mean you are one of us. Yeah, he's like, I do not recognize you yeah. in that way. And also, like, you did it improperly, so we don't even recognize your marriage. So get out of here, or else, like, next time I see you, you'll you'll regret it. Yeah, he's like, my heart warns me that if you now pursue those who love you no more, never will you return thither. So that's, like, our only hint at Arathel isn't in love with him anymore yeah. from someone she hasn't even spoken to. Yeah, and again, I mean, but, like, I am with Kurvin here that, like, if your wife and son left and they lied to you about where they went, I would also assume that yeah. they don't love you as Feels much like as you think they do. Feels like a safe bet. Yeah. But what's funny for me reading this is that, like, so you haven't gotten to Baron and Luthien yet, right? No. Okay. I only know, like... What I remember from, like, as it being a part of Lord of the Rings, you know? Yeah. Fair. Well, in that story, the, I'm like, I, and I don't, and I only remember them because they're, both their names start with C and, like, nobody else's names start with C. But, like, these guys, I do not like them in that story. So then in this story where he's supposed to be, like, like, Ale's supposed to be the bad guy, I'm kind of like, you all just suck. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't get a good... I, I just get a lot of, like, toxic bro vibes from yeah. all of them, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. yeah. I think most of Feanor and Jeans are like that. <laughs> yeah. Ale chases after them, and he's on their tail, basically. So, Arithel and Maeglin have already gotten to, like, the, the secret tunnel portion mm-hmm. of Gondolin, and they have left their horses... And the horses make some noises, and that's where Aeol sees, like, where they were left. And in the distance, he sees the white raiment of Erethel and marked which way she went, seeking the secret path into the mountains. Wait, are you telling me she is wearing white right now? Yes. On the secret mission? Oh, yeah. But she is the white lady of Gondolin. <sighs> I just wear a different color on your It's her aesthetic. <laughs> I know, I know. Like, um, this is Fine. so random, but um, in the first season of The Witcher, Princess Siri is running. She has white hair, and mm-hmm. there is a part in the show where she takes some mud and, like, puts it on her hair to help disguise her, but she still has on this, like, bright teal cloak and she's like in the she's running through all these and and it's winter so there's snow everywhere and she's just running it's it's so obvious where she is and I'm like girl like I know it's cold but like at least put some mud on the cloak trade it for something I don't know like we can see like we can't like we that's a very distinctive cloak yeah um 
Like, come on, let's think. So, yeah, you're right. Maybe she needed to be in, like, her ninja clothes, yeah. (laughs) You would think that the dark elf ale would have something in a darker color that she could wear. I mean, it's just not her aesthetic. I guess not. She wasn't willing to give it up, even from running away. Arithel and Maeglin arrive, and... They are welcomed joyfully. Turgon is so excited to see them because I've like he thought she was dead. Yeah. Um. And then here she is turning up, and she has this son, and he is. At first, I was like, "How is this going to go over?" Because Turgon is very, you know, specific about who comes into Gondolin, and when she left, he was like. I, I don't know, you know, who's very unsure about everything. And so right. I wasn't sure how he would re- react to her return and Maeglin being there. But he is, like, very happy to see them both. Um, it says he looked with liking upon Maeglin, his sister's son, seeing in him one worthy to be accounted among the princes of the Noldor. Good first impression. Yeah, he announces to everyone at Gondolin, he's like, my sister's returned, this is great, and Maeglin shall have the highest honor in my realm. So yeah, everyone's like, yay, like our, I don't know, princess is here, and now we have like a new prince or, you know. Yeah, it's all good. Woo. And then... In the distance, <laughs> Maeglin sees Idril, Turgon's only daughter. I was like, great. <laughs> this, like father, like son, it seemed mm-hmm. to me. A um, bit. Yeah, it says, for she was golden as the Vanyar, her mother's kindred. And she seemed to him as the sun from which all the king's hall drew its light. So I'm like, okay, that's great. But um, also your cousins. <laughs> First cousins, even. For, yeah, Sometimes it's not cousin like, doesn't mean too much, but... Yeah, like, all of the elves are, like, somewhat kind of related to each other, but, like, they're legit cousins. Yeah, and that is something they do not do. Yeah, which we'll, we'll touch on um, yeah. in a bit. Everyone's, you know, like, celebrating, yay, it's all happy. Meanwhile, Aeol has followed them, mm-hmm. and he gets captured, and he says, I came here for my wife... Um, Lady Arathel and, you know, I demand to be seen or whatever. The guards come to Turgon and tell him and they're like, we have not slain him as your law commands, um, but his wrath is great and it is hard to restrain him. So they're like, we got to do something soon. Yeah. <laughs> so Arathel is like, oh, no, no, Ar- yeah, Arathel um, yeah, says, she- Ale has followed us even as I feared. Um, But with great stealth was it done, for we saw and heard no pursuit as we entered upon the hidden way. Um, And so she's like, yes, that is my husband. I feel like she was trying to be like, no, I didn't tell him. I didn't lead him here. Like, this isn't my fault. I didn't want him to follow us. He did this of his own accord. Mm -hmm. And this was like against my wishes. She says, don't kill him. Let's bring him to Turgon and see what Turgon says. When Ale is brought inside and he looks around with Gon- at Gondolin and when Maeglin first gets there and he looks around, he's like, oh, my God, this is even more amazing than what my mom told me. Like, oh, I'm so glad to be here. He has that same amazement. Uh, I mean, Ale has that same amazement, but it just makes him more wrathful towards the Noldor just says his heart was filled with more anger and hate I guess because I don't know he's like 
how dare you steal our land and make this awesome Maybe. kingdom. Yeah, it's like, because it's interesting to think about him, his son, and them both being amazed by it. But, you know, when typically when you're not a bad dude in these times, when you are a bad dude in these times, like, you never can, like, be happy for anybody else. You're just like, oh, why do you have that and I don't? But also, you chose to live in a tiny, dark forest, my dude. You know, and it's also a little bit reminiscent, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, of when Melkor is captured, and mm. he gets to Valinor, and he looks around, and it just makes him even more angry. Or maybe it was even, like, after they released him from captivity. Yeah. And he looks around, out. and he's like, this just makes me more angry that yeah. you guys are living in such, I don't know, wealth. Yeah, it's almost like, why are you having such a good time? This is... yeah. You should be having a less good time. Yeah, I want everyone to suffer. Like, ugh. And especially <laughs> with Aeol and the Noldor, like, he's like, you guys suck. Why are you having such a good time? Yeah. Nobody should be having this good of a time. He probably is just thinking that they don't deserve it because, right. um, you know, the kinslaying. All those things that we have <laughs> <laughs> talked about. Turgon is at least merciful and says, you are welcome to come and live here, mm -hmm. but you cannot leave. You either live here or I will kill you <laughs> because no one leaves this kingdom ever. Except for my sister. <laughs> Except for my sister that one time. Aeol says, okay, I hear you. I I recognize what you just said, but I don't agree with anything. Um, Give me my wife and my son and we'll go. Like, if you really want to keep your sister here, fine, let her stay. Let the bird go back to the cage where soon she will sicken again as she sickened before. He's like, fine, let her stay. But she got bored once. She'll get bored again. Mm -hmm. um, but my son, absolutely not. I am definitely taking my son. And he says, like, come on, Maeglin, let's go. Um, it kind of reminded me a bit of, like, I don't know, like, Lucius Malfoy to Draco Malfoy oh, energy yeah. of, like, come on, Draco. <laughs> yeah. And I love that come he on, says, because he's like, your father commands you, leave mm -hmm. the house of his enemies and the slayers of his kin or be, or accursed. be accursed. Yeah. And in and in this book, that that was that actually works. That's very like you can curse somebody like that. Yeah, Maglin is silent. He just doesn't respond or do anything. Then yeah, then Turgon once again says, um, "I'm giving you your only choice: abide here or die here." Just I don't know. Put it kind on t-shirt. Yeah, exactly. What a great <laughs> slogan! Oh my god. You know, like Las Vegas. What ha you know? What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Abide here, die here, bitches. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> I just imagine um, everyone saying like has, ride like, or die, <laughs> like abide or die. I don't know. Um, and this is also the same choice I'm giving your son. Aeol looks around and considers things. And it says, Aerithel was afraid, knowing he was perilous. Suddenly, swift as a serpent, he seized a javelin that he held hid beneath his cloak and cast it at Maeglin, crying, The second choice I take, and for my son also, you shall not hold what is mine. I gasped. <laughs> I was like, seriously? <gasps> oh my gosh. I know. Security is lax. And people. then, Arathel... It's, it calls it a dart. By the way, it says, Arithel sprang before the dart and it smote her in the shoulder. So let's recap. Um, <laughs> Turgon said, um, you can choose to, to, to live here or we're going to kill you. And we offer the same choice to your son. Aeol thinks about it, takes out a spear and says, mm, 
uh, I think I'll die and I'll, call my, I'll take my son down with me. Mm-hmm. Throws the spear at his son and Arithel jumps in the way and protects Maeglin. Oh, and for what? Sorry. And so they, they you know, take they take Aeol away. And that night, it seemed that Arithel was okay originally, but she fell into darkness and she died. For the javelin was poison, though none knew it until too late. And this is, yeah, this is when I was like, women can't have <laughs> without, like, the way that she was just living her life exploring yeah. Beleriand on, like, her solo travel trip. And, it, and you can tell that she's, like, not trying to live her life that much differently from, like, the Sons of Feanor. Like, they went yeah. off and had vacations and exactly. did things. And she's like, I'm used to doing that stuff, too. It's hard. And and then look what happened. She got trapped in the in that forest with Aeol. Yeah. And then was in, you know, what would have been... I imagine at least like a, a really cold and unloving relationship with him. Um, they left. And then in protecting her son from the very person that they ran away from, she is killed. Yeah, it's it's awful. And it's like, I I wanted so much more for you. Erica. I know I wanted I wanted more for her. So, man, you know, so that happens. Obviously, Turgon is pissed. Because he thought she was going to be okay, and he was going to show mercy yeah. to Aeol because of Arathel. And then he's like, oh, sh- she's she's dead? You're, you're f- done here. Yeah, you're you know? dead too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think they just, like, throw him off a cliff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Real harsh. Um, yeah, they throw him off, and as he, as this is about to happen, he looks at Maeglin, who, again, says nothing. Um, and says, so you forsake your father and his kin, ill-gotten son. Here shall you fail of all your hopes, and here may you yet die the same death as I. And then, yeah, he gets yeeted over the cliff and wow. dies. And everyone in Gondolin seems like, okay, yay, justice was served. But Idril was troubled. I love and I'm her. like, good girl. Good girl. <laughs> She's the best. It reminds me of like whenever like Melian is always like, mm, yes, stuff is it's off. always Melian who t- like Thingle is like, I don't know. Things feel kind of weird, but I guess maybe it'll be OK. And Melian's like, no, let's think about it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> She's the let's best. investigate. And I feel yeah. like Idril has like a touch of that where she's, you know, she's that day. She mistrusted her kinsmen. She clearly understands Meglin better than everyone else. Mm hmm. You know, by the end of this chapter, which is like in two paragraphs from now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Meglin comes in and he is, you know, um, treated like a prodigal son, even though he is not Turgon's son. And right. everyone is just like so happy to have him there. And Idril is like, I don't know about this dude. Like, I'll yeah. keep an eye out. And it's like, funny because keep like, one eye open around you. Exactly. Like he, he goes on. He does a bunch of great things. You know, he is they clearly figure out yeah, he's smart I, and yeah, he's it's, great yeah, it's in says, battle. Yeah, prospered and grew great among the Galathrim. And I was like, good for him, you know? Like, he escaped the this, like, really dark forest and he, like, learns a lot in Gondolin and he fortifies the arms of Gondolin um, with, like, iron and steel. 
Um, he's re- yeah, he's really smart. He's also really brave. It mentions that there's this battle that I think is will be coming up in the future, and it mentions that rather than staying back in Gondolin, he goes and fights alongside Turgon. He really proves himself to yeah. the people of Gondolin, yes. you know, and even says that he was mighty amongst the princes of the Noldor and greatest save one and the most renowned of their realm so he's like on top of the world right yet Yet. (laughs) that yet (laughs) he did not reveal his heart um and it says hiding his mind so that few could read it except for idril um yeah it says from his first days in gondolin he had borne a grief ever worsening that robbed him of all joy he loved the beauty of Idril and desired her without hope. Aww. Mm. Your cousin doesn't love you back. Mm-hmm. The Just Eldar wedded not with Kim. The fact that it's it's painted as a grief that robbed him of joy. And I'm like, no, she doesn't owe you I know. I'm like, She doesn't owe Sir. you. And remember, remember, everyone. We're com- I'm, I'm re- I read this. Uh, what is today? You know, we're recording this on... June 28th, it was, like, four days ago that, like, women's reproductive rights were revoked. <laughs> like yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, it's, like... It was hard. It's a hard one, people. Yeah. Yeah, so he loves her, and she knows it, and this causes him... This causes Idril to like him even less. She's, yeah. like... She's um, like, like, maybe we could have been, like, friends, I guess. Like, you know, because we're cousins. But, like, probably but, like, not. But, like, now that I, like, the fact that you are obsessed with me just makes me disgusted by you. And it does say, for it seemed to her a thing strange and crooked in him, as indeed the Eldar ever since have have deemed it. I thought it mentioned Well, it says an evil fruit of the kinslang, whereby the shadow of the curse of Mandos fell upon the last hope of the Noldor. So what? Yeah, it's just saying that, like, this is something that she... It's very odd to the Noldor that he would love her because yeah. this is very much they did right. ten slaying, but marry your cousins? No. <laughs> yeah, and it, it makes me think of like the shadow fell upon the last hope of the Noldor. So like these, maybe not these two because obviously gross, but as far as like the Teleri and the Noldor should be getting along, but they don't really. So uh, the cur- yeah, so the curse of Mandos is yeah. like still fulfilling itself basically because mm-hmm. it's still so it's, well well let me let, let me continue on um right. yeah it says um he watched idril and waited and his love turned to darkness in his heart and he sought the more to have his will in other matters shirking no toil or burden if he might thereby have power so absolutely gross he is yeah. just over the years watching idril waiting for her i guess to return his feelings it says his love turns to darkness and he becomes obsessed with gaining power. Thus it was in Gondolin, amid all the bliss of that realm, while its glory lasted, a dark seed of evil was sown. Yeah, and you're gonna, Yikes. I mean, the seed being Maeglin or whatever. And it's it's interesting because Turgon didn't want his sister to go and he foresaw something bad would happen, but also welcomed her back and her kid. Yeah. So sometimes you let, you know, 
isn't there like a phrase like you let the wolf in by the front door or something yeah some a, a wolf in sheep's clothing yeah like just basically like you you have all these rules but with anything that is has a lot of rules they break <laughs> so um like you can only do so much yeah. beyond things being out of your control and that's what the you know whatever the doom the the prophecy or whatever of mandos mm-hmm. comes into play of like turgon tried to like get above destiny and be right. like no gondolin is going to be the safe place mm-hmm. um and this is like his mistake I almost don't want to con- continue reading. I hope this is the last I... This is often what happens with these, like, minor background characters like Idril, where I'll be like, oh, I wonder if we'll hear more about them in the future. And usually we don't. So I hope we don't hear more about Idril because yeah. it doesn't seem good. And again, same with Aerithel, where, like, Idril is just living her life in Gondolin. And then along comes this, like, boy of darkness. Yeah. And she, again... Women, women can't have I know. <laughs> in this world. So without, knowing that, you know, you don't have to respond if you don't want to give something away. I'm just saying, you know, just know that and uh, okay, great. Temper expectations. Great. <laughs> yeah, like that was that was a really interesting chat, and I say this as someone who the past couple of weeks has been hating the Silmarillion. So, mm-hmm. um. It's definitely a lot more enjoyable when it's just like these one-off stories. I agree. When it's the chapters that are just like catching us up about the 20 different things that the 20 different sons of Feanor are doing, I get lost. And I'm like, I don't know who's where. I don't know who's a cousin or who's a, you know, who's a brother of whom. And Exactly. And I feel like it does this thing where it flips back and forth between like just giving you information and then telling a story you know so you're like you start to be like okay and then you're like oh man and then yeah you're like okay this is interesting and then the chapter and then the next chapter is a description of a map Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know so that was painful for you wasn't it (laughs) my god like i was losing it like i I literally (laughs) took a week off of the silmarillion (laughs) i think that's fair so um it's one of those where it's like you could almost just you know what I kind of wish I had done? I wish I had just started with a Baron and Luthien and skipped around. A lot of people, when, like, more casual Lord of the Rings fans ask about the Silmarillion, right. people like Don Marshall will say, oh, you can, like, if you're interested in reading the Silmarillion, but you're intimidated by it, you can just read, like, these chapters. And a lot of times, it Baron and Luthien, it's, like, just, they're, like, oh, just read Baron one. and Luthien, you know? It's a so. good one. And, and there's stuff, like, I mean, the ones that are based around specific characters, I feel like, are your best bet. And then yeah. you would want to go back and probably read the other ones. You know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't have to be a linear tale. If you don't want it to be. I don't even think it is a linear It's tale. not. But <laughs> we do start with the beginning of days um, and end with the end. The end of days. Or yeah. Yeah. Oh, interesting. So after my feminist rage this week, next week's chapter is of the coming of the men into the West. I mean, I know, I know, I know. Men doesn't mean men. It, it just means, mean, it means human. people. It means human, but whatever. But it, it does mean men. Let's get real. It does mean men. Ugh. Well, that was a fascinating chapter. <laughs> Thank you for coming on and discussing it. So much to talk about, which is which was great, because um, I feel like I haven't had one of those in, in a while. So that was nice. Yeah, that was um, a good one. 
Yeah. Where can people find you on the internet and what would you like to share with the audience? Yeah. So um, with Tolkien with Friends, the probably the easiest place is just TolkienWithFriends.com. Like we're on Twitter and Instagram and wherever you find your podcasts, if I'm assuming that's your thing, if you're listening to this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, we're currently comparing and comp- contrasting the Lord of the Rings uh, books to the Peter Jackson movies. It's been a lot of fun. Um, and then as far as like, if you wanted to just follow me as a person, I'm mostly on TikTok as Andy Inc. Like INC. I also have a Twitter under the same name, but I, I'm really more focused on the, uh, podcast Twitter right now. Um, but it's me. It's me that you're talking to if you message or comment on any of those. All right. I am currently in the middle of a move, so I'm going to do these as quick as I can. That's what I'm talking about as a proud member of WBNE. If you want to learn more about the network, you can go to WBNE.org. The cover is by Vaishon Brandon. You can support him on Instagram at Vaishon Designs. You can get merch for That's What I'm Talking About by going to tpublic.com slash user slash pod. You can follow the podcast on social media at TolkienAboutPod, and you can follow me on Twitter at MCWhatsApp and on Instagram at MCTurnDownForWhat. If you want to support the podcast, you can do so by going to Patreon.com slash TolkienAboutPod. Usually, this is where I give a personal shout out to someone who has signed up for the shout out tier. But like I said, I'm doing this really quick and I don't have time to look up who is getting a shout out this week. So just a general shout out to every single one of my patrons, not just those of the shout out tier, every single one. I appreciate you so much. I appreciate your support. I mean, I don't know how many times I can say I appreciate you, but please know it from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much for wanting to support me, wanting to support the podcast, and caring enough about this to to show that support. And finally, please make sure to rate and review. You can leave an actual written review on Apple Podcasts, which is where I like to read nice words about myself. And also a reminder that Spotify has now introduced a rating system. So please make sure to rate five stars there as well. Well, thank you again for coming on. Do you have any parting words for the audience? You know, I have been listening along as well with the Silmarillion episodes and as someone who I love it. And I am obsessed with it, but I don't think that you need to be like... I'm not someone that believes that you need to have all of the lore understood or memorized for you to be just as valid of a fan. And so I think that this is like... Honestly, just listen to this podcast. You don't even have to buy the book. Um, it's 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 such a great analysis and like back and forth about all of the chapters. I've been really enjoying it personally. It, I think it makes some of this a lot more accessible because while I find a lot of his like more narrative writing really fun and really interesting and cool, there's parts of this it's not it's not the same. You just can't compare this to Lord of the Rings. Like when people ask me like what do I read next? I'm like, well you could read this, but it's not the same flavor. It's not even the same vegetable. It's different and it but if you're interested in what's happening in the world, I think that you you're welcome to it. I think it, there's a lot of reasons to read it, but certainly not a requirement to be a Tolkien fan. Amen. And that's what I'm talking about.